Hello, welcome to The Better Business Show with me, Tom Idle. Thanks for tuning in. Coming up this week. This was probably my eureka moment. Great satellite coverage in countries around the equator, but still no reliable weather forecast in the 21st century. Yes, very much more than merely a weather forecaster. We're in conversation with the CEO and founder of Ignitia, Lisa Petrikovska. All of that coming up very soon. But first, let me take a moment to introduce myself properly. Um, As I said at the outset, I'm Tom Idle. I might be familiar to some of you listeners as uh, the Editor-in-Chief at Two Degrees, and before that I was the Editor of Sustainable Business. So I've been in this uh, sort of sustainable business arena for about 10 years now. I've been sort of running magazines and online communities uh, and writing about the the business of sustainability uh, and commenting on trends and issues uh, interviewing some of the, the sort of leading companies and the, those companies that really want to be leading um, and, and really exploring what it means for businesses to be responsible, positive citizens in the 21st century as uh, you know the planet heads towards 9 billion people and resources continue to be constrained and uh, energy prices fluctuate uh, and, th- and the gap between those that do have and those who do not have just gets bigger and bigger. The world faces so many huge challenges and occupying a unique position between governments and NGOs and academics and and obviously the all-important consumer, companies have a massive role to play in helping to shape the future for tomorrow's generations. But in terms of the response from the business community to this challenge, the surface has barely been scratched. And for the last 10 years, I've been largely frustrated, I guess, at the pace of change and the reluctance of organisations to really grab the ball by the horns and drive the change that's required has been exhausting. But it's also been understandable. After years of just talking about and debating the point, all of the evidence points to the fact that sustainable, low-carbon, efficient, socially positive uh, businesses are, you know, are good wasteful dirty ones not so good and what happened in paris at the un climate talks at the end of last year offers you know solid foundations i guess for sustainable business to be to be the norm and not the privilege of the select few trouble is it's you know it's easier said than done so the better business show is a chance for me to continue the work that i've started with other media outlets and to give you insight and inspiration from the world of sustainable business and to give you some wonderful examples of the organizations that are making things work that have found new ways of doing things and are prepared for whatever the future throws at them because they are better businesses and the good news is that there's loads of examples out there and this is the place to hear about them and learn about them So yes, we're going to be looking at some of the big businesses out there that are slowly turning things around and we're certainly championing those companies that have legacies that they want to overturn. But the Better Business Show really is all about those new kids on the block. Those companies, organisations offering products and services and business models that are fit for the 21st century that are creating positive environmental and social change in the world. So this is my new thing, podcasting, and I want you to come on the journey with me. 
I spent more hours than I care to remember commuting to my last place of work. Uh, but during that time, I fell in love with podcasts. And now I've you know, well and truly jumped onto the bandwagon. And I'm really glad that I did. And I'm going to tell you why. Yes, there's already a plethora of media vehicles out there that aim to bring you the latest insights into corporate sustainability. I now produce content and write for many of them through my new agency, Narrative Matters. And I certainly enjoy the updates that ping into my email box during the busy working day. But this podcast is going to give you something different. For a start, I don't expect you for one minute to be listening to this while you're sat at your desk in front of a computer. I expect that you'll be doing something else, something more interesting. You might be commuting, yes, uh, but you might be in the gym, you might be working out, you might be jogging. Perhaps you're making your dinner in the kitchen uh, and my voice is coming at you through your iPad. And I hope that you'll enjoy the Better Business Show podcast a considerable amount more than other sustainability websites or magazines for that very reason. You'll have the time to digest what you've heard in your own time, to reflect, to be inspired and to learn from some of the most interesting and engaging organisations out there. So each and every week, we will meet a new business or organization that is really shaking things up. We'll meet the people behind these fantastic organizations. We'll give you insight into what it is that makes them tick. We'll give you the inspiration and ideas to, to take back to your own companies and organizations. And above all, I guess we'll give you, we'll give you hope. Hope that there are organizations out there doing great things. Hope that there are new ways of doing things. Hope that there, you know, that big fat challenge presented by things like global warming and social deprivation or global poverty or injustice, human rights abuse. And, you know, make it seem that they're not just big fat challenges, but they're also big fat opportunities that, if overcome, will lead the charge to a new form of economic growth and prosperity. So, welcome to episode one of the Better Business Show. I hope you enjoy it. About 500 million smallholder farmers around the world manage about 12% of agricultural land. Uh, and yet you've got these farmers producing more than 80% in terms of you know, value terms of the food that we actually eat. And so, you know, smallholder farmers, which are, you know, pretty much defined as uh, farmers running kind of small pockets of land. I think in Bangladesh, the average size of a small holding is about uh, probably half a hectare, so about half the size of a, a football pitch. Um, um, you know, because these farmers offer the foundations for many of the, the products that, you know, we enjoy so much in the developed world, you know, coffee, tea, cocoa, palm oil. Um, the productivity and the, the kind of well-being of these smallholder farmers is so, you know, hugely important. And basically, they sustain a plethora of kind of, you know, sectors and, and commodities and companies. Um, and they're, you know, a hugely important important group. There's a new report that came out a few weeks, actually, I think it was before Christmas, uh, from the United Nations uh, Conference on Trade and Development, 
uh, about commodities and uh, I do I invis- you know I ask you to check it out because it's very interesting um, but really it points to the fact that smallholder farmers basically deserve a lot more attention from policymakers than they actually get right now and they're really up against it the smallholder farmer many of them are in you know pockets of the globe that face political unrest you know particularly in, in Africa Southeast Asia um, and really they're at the mercy of more and more erratic weather patterns uh, caused by climate, you know, a changing climate, so lack of rainfall, destroying crops, you know, over rainfall creates mudslides, soil erosion. So they really, they really are struggling, and 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 it's this challenge that the subject of today's show is is trying to sh- really trying to solve. Weather forecasting is a real scientific feat. You know, we only really think about weather forecasting when it's not accurate, but actually in the West, it's something that we really take for granted and uh, I didn't really know this until I got talking to to the subject of today's show Uh, but in the tropics particularly around the equator it's really difficult to forecast what the weather's going to be uh, because of the kind of complexities of the weather fronts there it's just really hard to get right and Lisa Petrikovska and a team of scientists at Ignitia believe they've cracked uh, a very difficult nut here they you know a unique set of algorithms uh, that they've developed it aims to really improve the accuracy of weather forecast. They're currently based in the fields of, of West Africa and Ignitia's technology is said to give on average an 84% accuracy compared to general forecasts which give an accuracy of around 40% in that part of the world. And not only that but it's also a company that's developed a system to deliver those forecasts to farmers on the ground uh, and they pay a few dollar cents via a text message service to get that information gives them a much better picture of of what the weather is going to do over the over the week ahead. So, uh, in, informing their decisions about whether they plant you know plant seeds or give their crops uh, much needed fertilizer. So, I caught up with Lisa, the CEO and founder of Ignitia, via the power of Skype. And when we when we spoke, she was actually in Ghana. So, apologies in advance for the slightly erratic recording quality. Here's Lisa. Now, Lisa, when we agreed to speak and we were convers- having a conversation over email, you said that you might need some help in telling your story. And you said that you're more comfortable quoting scientific research papers than you were actually telling uh, engaging stories. And I actually think you've got nothing to worry about because Ignitia is a great story in, in itself. Um, can you just briefly explain what it is you've been doing? So what we're doing is tropical weather forecast that we deliver to farmers uh, right now in West Africa. Okay, but basically you've, you've, you've created a, a more accurate weather forecast modeling system, haven't you? Yes, you could say that. Well, models uh, that you can see on big TV stations such as BBC or CNN. And they were unfortunately very unreliable for tropical areas. So that's what we've been working on. And is it that lack of accuracy that's that's been there in the past that makes what you do more significant and more amazing than than it actually might sound if you sort of you know looked at it on paper? Yes, you could definitely say that. Uh, That's one part of it. And the second part is that we have found a really good delivery mechanism to to farmers, rural farmers. Okay. And and this is really who you're servicing, isn't it? This is the the smallholder farmers, in particularly in the tropics in West Africa initially right now. Um, And and how do these farmers access this, this new forecast that you're presenting? So it's a text message subscription. Um, We get their GPS coordinates 
from the telecommunications provider that we're in partnership with. And then we deliver them location-specific forecasts every morning. Okay. And so, and so how do they pay for this? They pay for it in like micro-installments. So it's about four cents measured in dollars uh, that is withdrawn from their airtime every day. And that's the that's the commercial model basically for for your business. It's you're you're taking small payments from from many many smallholder farmers, right? Yes, that's correct. Okay, and and so where did this idea come from? What, you know, what was the what was the sort of driver for it? What, what where did it all start? Well, it actually came out of a moment of frustration. Um, at this time, I was doing research about polar clouds in the Arctic, but. Every time I spotted one of these very rare clouds, there wouldn't be any suitable satellite around to monitor it. So I was basically asking myself, why is it that there are so many weather satellites around the equator, but still like none around in the Arctic where I needed it? And among atmospheric scientists, it is well known that in near equator areas, uh, which is the tropics, um, they didn't even have a reliable weather forecast. So looking back, this was probably my eureka moment. Great satellite coverage in countries around the equator, but still no reliable weather forecast in the 21st century. Uh, it is such a basic service we take for granted in Europe. And so there was a sort of Damascene moment for you. You just thought, actually, do you know what? This is what the world needs now. Yeah, you could say that. And it's, and it's not just you. You've kind of got a, your, you know, this dream team of scientists behind you, haven't you? Explain what the team looks like at Ignitia. Right. So the uh, majority of us are uh, scientists in, in physics, mathematics and meteorology. So we gather a little bit from all around the world. And um, our expertise was within tropical um, weather and understanding how these patterns move because in... In these areas, there are no low-pressure systems or high-pressure systems or fronts that we are usually used to in Europe. But everything is just dependent on sun heating the earth and then hot air rising and suddenly have a thunderstorm. So it can change very quickly. Of course, you know, the way that you're forecasting the weather is based on you know, proprietary algorithms. But in, in a nutshell, for, for, the, for the listeners tuning in, how do you do this? Like, what you know, has it taken you a long time to get to this to this point? Just how sort of tough is it to do this? Yeah. So we were to start with four scientists and struggled with these models for about three years. One day, it so just happened that we cracked a code and could start delivering weather forecasts. Uh, that were fairly accurate and that we could also scientifically measure would be about double as good from what was already available. And so how do, how do you sort of know that it works? You've obviously spent a lot of time in the field testing this stuff. Um, as you know, as I said at the outset, you're in Ghana right now, uh, hence the line being a bit iffy. But um, what, what can you, I mean, how do you know this is working? So what we started with doing was, first of all, to just see that our forecasts were actually accurate. And then you can compare that to satellite pictures of what actually happened. But the second big challenge that we faced was to deliver these forecasts to rural small-scale farmers um, that were... uh, Many of them are illiterate or semi-literate and where we wanted to deliver like good information to them that they would also understand. 
So we started with, I think, 3,000 farmers that we tested different kinds of messages on, and they got very keen on the service. Why we continue to deliver this on a commercial base for 2015 and now have over 80,000 farmers that are subscribing to the service. We know that the smallholder farmer is often, you know, the forgotten man or, or forgotten woman in, in the supply chain of, of particularly large corporates. Uh, I was reading the, the UN's latest trade and development report on commodities the other day as, as part of another project I'm working on that, that really sort of suggests that policymakers really need to do more to give more support and attention to smallholder farmers. And obviously, you know, your service, your product, uh, which is not only the, obviously the forecast, but the, the mechanism to actually reach out to farmers uh, plays right into that, doesn't it? So, I mean, what sort of impact are you seeing on the ground there? So since the day we started producing the forecast in West Africa, I have met many rural farmers that have doubled their yields. Uh, this translates into 80% increase of income, which is huge for a small-scale farmer. Well, honestly, it would be huge as a salary increase for me too. <laughs> so there is definitely a, a, a clear impact and it can be easily measured. Sure. And are you, are you are you seeing that positive impact firsthand? So are you actually able to, to, to understand and, and uh, listen to stories of, of farmers? And are they telling you exactly what's happening? Yes, I am meeting farmers every day since I spend most of my time in West Africa, uh, which is amazing because they have all kinds of stories to tell. And many of them are very different. It starts with just that they got the planting date right. And few of them have t told me about how I saved their whole yield by giving them you know, good information on when to apply the fertilizer, which is maybe the most expensive input that every small-scale farmer has. And how, how does that make you feel? It definitely makes me feel happy that we can truly help out. But um, yeah, I guess I'm also always worried that the information should be as clear as possible so it can give them something meaningful that they are actually paying for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the other question I had was obviously, you know, giving a, a weather forecast is, is one thing. But actually, as a farmer, using that information to, you know, boost the yield, boost productivity is, is you know, another matter completely, isn't it? So how are you kind of reaching farmers and how are you kind of, is there an element of your service that involves training or, or kind of advice? Yeah, we started with giving trainings and advice, but it turned out that small-scale farmers, you know, though they might be illiterate and uneducated, they are far from stupid. They know perfectly well how to apply a weather forecast to their everyday farming that they have been doing the last 30 years. They know the risk that comes with having all of the fertilizer being rinsed off by a heavy rain into the ditch or... Uh, by planting and not having any rain coming down the next two weeks. So they have a lot of experience in this field while we have nowadays cut down on most of our trainings and instead try to make a product that is very intuitive. My other question, Lisa, was around how you get to market. So how do you reach these small-scale farmers? You say you've got 80,000 farmers now you're accessing. Um how do you actually, how do you do that? 
Well, that is maybe our second largest challenge is to reach these farmers because we don't really have any good ways of um, creating this awareness of our product. We have been trying different methods. We have been sending some bulk text messages out to, to random mobile numbers. Uh, we have met them in villages and made some marketing campaigns on the ground. Um, we have tried to use subscribers that already are hooked to the service and to try to get them to recruit new farmers to our service. But uh, this remains one of our bottlenecks in, in uh, growth and expansion. Mm. Yeah, and, and I, as soon as I found out about what it is you do and, and heard of, of Ignitia, my mind started racing around how you know you might leverage the power and the scale of some big corporates that you know might well be advanced and, and know some of their um, smallholder farmers. I mean, obviously not many of them do, but have you have you thought about going down that route where you you know you might be able to access the funds of a corporate rather than trying to access the funds of you know multiple smallholder farmers? I mean, that would definitely be a dream scenario for us. Um, we just started and uh, we haven't gotten so far yet. And unfortunately, we haven't had the networks either to reach the large corporate. So hopefully we are, will get there one day. Sure, sure. Well, listen, what's next then? What's next for Ignitia? I mean, how do, you, how do you plan to scale up in the kind of the, the medium to short term? We have found that this partnership with uh, large telecommunication operators has been a pretty successful way of leveraging the service. Um, they make part of the marketing for us to reach small-scale farmers, and we provide the content, and then we work together. So this year, we have just signed contracts to get into Mali and accessing most of the small-scale farmers there, uh, and we are also going into Senegal. Okay, because I mean, this is a service that can be applied to you know a number of parts of the world. This is not just about West Africa, is it? No, so it's about the, all of the tropics, which is huge. Um, it also includes India, Central and South America, to mention a few continents. Um, picture the scene for us, uh, Lisa. You're in, you're currently in Ghana. I'm in a very icy, very cold London right now. Um, what, what does it look like where you are? It is uh, very dusty. We have a lot of sand from um, the Sahara that has been uh, transferred over here. It's in the air, so it's dusty and it's extremely dry. And I think we have 35 degrees today, but uh, neither clouds nor sunshine. Okay. I suspect that's the most accurate uh, weather forecast we'll get today. Um, uh, tell me where people can get more information about Ignitia, Lisa. You're on Facebook and Twitter, all the usual places. Yes, and please visit our website. It's uh, ignitia.se. Okay, great. Well, I encourage all of our listeners to do that. It's wonderful what you're doing, Lisa. I'm fascinated to see how uh, Ignitia keeps growing. Uh, thank you for joining us on the, the Better Business Show to tell us more about it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Tom. Lisa Petrikovska there doing some wonderful things for smallholder farmers in West Africa. As she said, uh, if you want to know more about Ignitia and Lisa's work, check out the Ignitia website, ignitia.se. She's also on Twitter, at Ignitia Weather. Uh, and that's it for this week's show. I hope you enjoyed it. Please be sure to subscribe to The Better Business Show 
by finding us on iTunes and don't be afraid to give us a good rating too. Uh, and if you'd like to find out more about specific elements discussed in this week's show, check out the Better Business Show blog where you can listen to the other shows as well. Just go to narrativematters.co.uk slash betterbusiness. Until next time, goodbye. This episode of The Better Business Show is sponsored by Narrative Matters, creating content that sings for organisations that want to change the world. For more details about how we can help you develop amazing content that really works, check out narrativematters.co.uk.